everyone, it's Adam from Ucrafort24 with uh, another exciting episode of Meeting the 92. I'm at my 10th club now, I've, I'm starting to get into this, it's uh, a long journey ahead, but I've come to, I mean, well, not, I'm going to use the word no, notorious, I think, clubs over the last uh, decade in particular. It's, it's a club that's very fond to my own heart because of the journey from the non-league and their spiritual home that I'm looking forward to finding out about today. But I'm at Wigan Athletic, of course, and I'm with the boys from the PWU, PWU podcast. Got to get them letters right. It's a bit of a mouthful. I'm with uh, Barry and Adam. Guys, thanks so much for joining us today. Hope You're you welcome. Are. How's You're everything welcome. over there? Recovered from, uh, from oh, Saturday night. I know this is going out after the Euros have finished. Hopefully we've had a, a big English celebration, but I hope the hangovers weren't too bad <laughs> over there. Uh, Barry, founder, member, producer, director of the podcast. Well, uh, I mean, what, how long has it been going and what sort of inspired you to get it going? Uh it's been going since uh, 2007 in one guise or another. Uh, I changed the name to the Progress with Unity podcast. That's the mouthful, the PWU, in 2010. Uh, the reason that, it's the old town motto of Wigan, Progress with Unity. And I just thought it was a, a little, quite a fitting name for, for the club because it, it's very unified amongst its fan base. Um, so the inspiration behind it... Um, I'd had a stroke and I wanted to do something <laughs> to get, you know, as part of my uh, recuperation, I wanted to get myself, uh, my mind ticking over mm-hmm. and podcasts were the new big thing. So I just thought I'd try my hand at it. And yeah, I love doing it because what what I'm doing, it's not self-promoting, it's promoting the club. And the podcast that we do is available anywhere in the world because it's on the internet. So I'm actually preaching the Bible of Wigan Athletic <laughs> to anybody who'd care to listen. And it's been, uh, it's been, there's been eyes and lows, but it's been fun, whatever's happened, you know, because we love the club and that's the way we go. That's great to hear. Now, I mean, Adam, got to ask you as well. You've, you, you, like you said there, you've, it's been going, what, 14 years and I... I was kindly invited onto it sort of pre-COVID. And over the last couple of years, we seem to have seen so many fan sites, fan TV, fan podcasts uh, sort of explode across the the English scene in particular. I mean, have you seen it as a positive thing, sort of bringing fans together even better? Has it allowed, you know, Wigan, as, a, as a Wigan fan base to communicate more with other groups in the league? Yeah, I think it's been great in the sense of, um, I mean, I've been on for four or five years. I think I just kept pestering Barry and eventually let me on. <laughs> and uh, hopefully I've not done too bad a job because I've, I've yet to be removed, although I'm sure that could happen very, very soon. Um, I, th- I think certainly over the last, you know, last few years, getting like yourself on and other fans was uh you know, it's good to find out what's going on at other clubs. And usually the first port of call is to look at other podcasts and trying to get in contact with them. So either myself or Barry would do that. And then I'd just send them, obviously, a few questions through. We'd have a discussion about it. But I think what's been important, obviously, over the last 12 months, I'm sure we'll get on to this, is mm. that, you know, other clubs have, you know, well wishes, um, you know, in terms of the administration. You know, they've promoted, like, uh, the crowdfunding sites and things like that. So... 
apart from the odd exception from certain clubs, n- not too far away from the club that you support, uh, <laughs> mentioning no names, Barnsley, uh, <laughs> most of the clubs you know, have been um, very good to us. You know, they've helped us out a lot. Some of them have made donations. Mm-hmm. So I think it's really quite a positive there. You know, we've got our rivalries, but I think when when clubs are on the brink, I think that's when sort of everybody comes together. And, and I think you know, his sort of Barry and his, uh, his contact book, if you like, you know, we, we were allowed to do a lot of uh, things that were positive during the administration. Uh, and, and it's been really nice over the last sort of few days when it's been 12 months on to see mm. people messaging, you know, Barry and, uh, and on the podcast in general to, to, to basically thank us for keeping them in the loop as much as we could. I mean, obviously <laughs> we only got snippets of information, but what we did get, you know, we we managed to pass on to the fans and, we, you know, we managed to get some good guests on as well who were, you know, trying to keep us informed. Ah, brilliant, brilliant, brilliant. Now, guys, of course, for mo- most people listening, Wigan sort of popped up in the consciousness, shall we say, back in the back in the noughties when you got into the Premier League and had, how many years was it? Was it 10 seasons up there or? Eight. Eight. There we go. Eight. Sorry. I didn't do my Wikipedia research well enough, did I, before this? Um, I mean, what were the high points of those eight years for you? Uh, give it one each. Go on. What was it? Uh, well, taking away the FA Cup win, because that's what everybody's going to say, isn't it? So that is, that's the high point of our lives, never mind the last, last uh, those eight years. But the high point was the first game at home to Chelsea. Mm-hmm. I, it, it took my breath away. We'd made it. I've been watching since non-league. Um, used to support us back at Springfield Park. Went into this brand new spanking stadium. State of the art. It felt like I was walking into Wembley the first time I went in. It's had a concourse. I mean, what's a concourse? <laughs> never, never even heard of one. Never been in one before. Um, uh, fantastic. View, unrestricted views all around the ground. Um, the, the aim was to get in the Premier League. And we achieved that aim. And, you know, four or five seasons prior to us making it, we were playing in front of crowds of like two and a half thousand. You know, and when Wheeling took over, we were playing in front of crowds of 1,400. And mm-hmm. to suddenly to be kicking off a Premier League season, facing the champions with Herman Crespo in the team and Joe Cole and Jose Mourinho <laughs> on the side, it's just unbelievable. And that feeling, and, and we could have snatched, they, they scored with a, almost a last kick of the game, but a minute previously, we had a, a one-on-one breakaway and we, we could have scored, you know, mm-hmm. and but it was just, it was a fairy tale. It was brilliant. Ah, superb. Adam? Yeah, I could have very easily said, obviously, the Battle of Bramall Lane, the two <laughs> one but I won't say that because that's not really that's not really fair on you. Uh, so what Go I am for it if you want, I don't mind. So I, uh, what I would say is it was more a period of time, really, rather than just yeah. uh, one game. Was uh, basically the 2011-2012 season, the 2012 running for a period of 12 games. No exaggeration, we were the best side in the country. We beat Man United mm-hmm. at home. We beat Liverpool, Arsenal away. We beat Newcastle, who were in fourth at the time, 4-0 at the, at the DW, as well as having, you know, getting robbed at Chelsea in a game we should have won. Uh, it was just unbelievable football. It just everything that what Martinez had been building up to had all clicked for that sort of few weeks. And 
yeah, the praise we were getting for the football we were playing, it was just unbelievable. Yeah, super, superb. But it's just a just a pity we just had a bit of bad luck the following season with injuries because I think we could have kicked on. Of course, something big happened the following season, as Barry's already alluded to. Uh, but we yeah. don't talk about the FA Cup win very often. You don't don't drop it. Don't drop it in at any 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 opportune moment, of course. And then then it was. Uh, I mean, at, at that stage, though, you know, sort of the back end of Premier League season, was there any sort of feeling amongst the fans of the sort of the potential financial troubles ahead? Any of the sort of rocky road? What would happen? Following? Not at all. No, no, nothing. The Whelans were still in charge. Um, we, we dropped out of the Premier League, and we we had parachute payments. Uh, we made an attempt to get back at the first, you know, first time of asking. We. we Signed Grant Holt, who was on serious wages, uh, pushed the boat out a little bit, reached another FA Cup semi-final that season and the playoffs in the Championship. Um, and this, we did a bit of bad recruiting in the summer after we didn't make the, you know, didn't make the step back up, got relegated to League One. But even though we were was, splashing was the cash, you know, paid one million quid for Will Grigg, uh, mm-hmm. paid four hundred fifty thousand for Michael Jacobs, big money in League One. So, no, there wasn't really. There was no inkling at all. In fact, there was no inkling that we had any financial troubles until the 1st of July 2020. That was the first idea <laughs> any of us had. And that, really? was the day we, that was the day we went into administration. Wow. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'll, I'll just come in briefly on yeah. that, Barry, uh, just to say that um, we were well managed financially because although Barry kind of alluded to there that we were sort of buying players for a million we did we did get rid of a lot of high earners as well you know we did, we did reduce the wage bill Whelan was always quite prudent with in that respect um I guess we were all a bit worried during the takeover period when Whelan said he was going to sell because we didn't know where we were going to end up because you just don't with mm-hmm. new owners do you but no. there was nothing in there we met we met on a number of occasions with the the UK-based directors, and it seemed like we had the cash flow there to, you know, to keep going on our budget. And I think that says it all that the the directors who were looking at this on a day-to-day basis were as shocked as we were <laughs> when the money wasn't available anymore. So, yeah, I don't, we we weren't one of those clubs who were ridiculously, or let's say a Sheffield Wednesday, you know, those yeah. type of clubs who clearly were overspending. I mean, mm-hmm. they breached breached the rules, haven't they? For all the time spending. and time again, yeah. Thoughts and wonders. I mean, over the years, ultimately, mm-hmm. you know, how do you get 160 million in debt? Mm-hmm. It's just so. I think we were managed prudently, and as I'm sure we'll come on to, we just got into a situation with owners who were pulling a fast one. Ultimately, so yeah. Well, I mean, I I'm a bit out of the loop with the situation, of course, being out here, but uh, you say if it was July 2020 and COVID hitting as well, who 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 were who, who were they in charge at that time and what's the situation now? Because I know you've got you've got new owners now, yes. It's 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 a more positive stance now at sort of July 2021 than where you were 12 months ago. So what's been this the transition since then from Wheeland to where you are today? Uh, well, we were bought out by uh, a company called IEC. Who uh, you see, I mentioned the IEC and the dogs start barking. That's <laughs> so how deep this cuts in this house. Yeah, I can understand really that. Oh, yeah. 
That's so, impressive. <laughs> thank you, Bess. I see uh, an Hong Kong-based company with uh, headed by Stanley Choi, who owns ah. uh, 51% of the consortium. So he owned 51% of Wigan Athletic. Uh, and, and they came in with these big plans to get us into the Premier League. And they, said they was willing to put in 12 million a year. And that's what they were doing. Suddenly, he got cold feet. Didn't want to, uh, you know, be in debt. You know that sort of debt anymore. So he decided he was going to pull his money out. Now, to stop him doing it and having a crash on the Hong Kong Stock Exchange, he worked a bit of a fiddle with some some unknown character called uh, Ken YK or, or a name similar to that, and. Uh, they brought in this new company called NL, New Leader Fund, NLF. So it was all quite murky and, and, and cloak and dagger stuff. And they were actually registered in the Cayman Islands. Oh. Enough said. Enough oh. said. Um, the, the, uh, they started to push the sale through in, I think it was January, and it actually went through in the first week of June. So And it was, it was very, you know, um, very quiet how things happened. Uh, there was no massive uh, announcement about it. We was in the pandemic. We hadn't even got back to playing again, and it was a small announcement on on the uh, on the club website. And it was along the lines of, "There is a new investor. Uh, this guy uh, Ken YK, whatever his name is, uh, was going was going to be uh, in charge of the football club." What had happened was Stanley Chow had given uh, Ken or Colin Ken. Forty million pound loan, which uh, for him to buy the club with. So the club, in effect, had given this guy forty million quid so he could buy the club, and then he had to pay it back over a twelve-month period. Speaking to the directors that we know, I'll not name them, but one, Jonathan Jackson being one of them, uh, and and Darren Royal being the other, they said that he never put a penny into the club from taking over. To sticking us in administration, he didn't want. He didn't put one penny into the club. Yes. Uh, the 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 instalment due was on the first of July. He said he wasn't going to pay. He, he got a board meeting together. Said he wasn't going to put any money into the club, and we were going to go uh, into liquidation. Is what he wanted. He wanted to liquidate the club, so finishes strip all the assets. Um, we had the administrators come in, they said, you can't do that, you've got to go through administration first, blah, blah, blah. So we ended up going into administration on the 1st of July. The directors in this country found out about it on the 30th of June, the day before, before it happened. They tried to get a court injunction to stop it, they were unable to do that, uh, and that's what happened. So we was in that, in that situation during the pandemic, no fans in the ground, um, we had to find like a massive amount of money. I think it was something like 25 million they were talking about we needed to find within a short period of time, otherwise the club was going to fold. The administrators come in, they said they worked to deal with this, this mysterious guy in Hong Kong. He dropped all, all the uh, claims to any money. So then it was just about paying creditors like football clubs that we owed for transfer fees, like for Kiefer Moore, Jamal Lowe, et cetera, et cetera. We had to pay those off. We had to pay the players' wages. So that got it down to a more realistic sort of figure uh, to find new buyers. There was a party interested, but they wanted a championship club. We got the 12-point deduction, which we only got relegated by one point. 
the game against Fulham, the last game of the season, we had to win that, we'd have stayed up. We are winning 1-0. Joe Williams does a perfect challenge on the edge of the box, wins the ball, clean as a whistle, the referee gives a free kick. You know what's coming next. It's in the back of the net. We draw one apiece, we're relegated. We go to court to appeal against it, we lose the, the appeal, and there you go. We're, we're in League One, nobody wants to buy us, we have to flog all our players, where do we go from here? So we went through quite a bit of turmoil over the coming months after that, from from um, September through to October. We had uh, a Spanish consortium came in who was never any good for the club. Uh, lots of dubious stuff going on there. They talk about money trafficking and, oh, sorry, people trafficking, uh, money laundering, all sorts of uh, connotations of illegal activities being involved. Definitely not right for the club. Obviously, because you know they were like a, a, a team of bandits, so they were never, they were never, ever, ever going to get approved by the EFL, which they didn't do. And eventually, they dropped out. But that by this stage, we're, we're in New Year. We're in 20, January 2021. Luckily for us, all the time looking in the background, there's been a, a Bahraini consortium, uh, Al Jazimi and uh, Tal Al Hamad. Uh, but fronted by Malki, Malki, nearly said Malki McKinnon, <laughs> Mal Brannigan, fronted by Mal Brannigan, who's, who's uh, over at uh, uh, Hull City for quite a while and worked mm. for the NFL. He's the front man who is now our chief executive. They've come in um, and they seem really good, very sensible. They're not going to splash the cash. What they want is sustainability, and that's the way they're going about it. And uh, to be honest with you, from, from the depths of despair, we've got a little bit of uh, light at the end of the tunnel. It's a, it's a good feeling. And the, the company, the actual company that's taken over, are called Phoenix 2021. And that's what it feels like. It's like a phoenix has risen from the ashes of Brilliant. this situation. Also, Springfield Park, our main stand, our only stand, we only had one stand, was called the Phoenix Stand. So, you know, it's it's all it's all come full circle, and it, it's it's. Uh, sorry, Adam, for going on, but um, we, you know, it's just a, a brilliant feeling now. From from like I said, depths of this. Uh, it was awful through through autumn and winter. I've never met so many supporters of a team on on the edge of of darkness. You know what I'm saying? Mm. It was just, and we were bottom of the table as well. Uh, but we've come, we managed to stop in the league, avoid relegation, new owners. And uh, whatever whatever comes this season, we'll take. I, uh, I mean, Barry, first of all, thank you for that. It sounds like it's been absolutely awful, you know, 12 months, especially the six months. I've got to ask you, though, guys, uh, you mentioned about the supporters briefly. Uh, going through this, you've, have, have the supporters really organised themselves well? Have the supporters been actively involved in this? How, you know, what is the engagement like with... Not only the supporters, but also the people generally in Wigan with the club. Yeah, so brilliant, really. So the first uh, first thing to say on that is we obviously still had a season to finish mm -hmm. and we had no money. Uh, you know, just simple things that you think about, like uh, at the time we had to have uh, pay for COVID testing, obviously travel, you know, that all had to be paid for. So within sort of 40, 48 hours, you know, I can't remember the exact figure, but I think we're talking somewhere in the region of a couple of underground, Barry, was it? Yeah, so that, you know, all that was raised. So that got us, that was enough to get us through the season. Um, 
but then there was a big launch uh, because I think we always had to ask something in the background as like a, a potential supporter solution mm-hmm. um, because you know it wasn't looking great with we didn't let's just say we didn't have a really good field <laughs> who were coming in wanting to take over the club so what we kind of uh, what what the, the the supporters club a former uh, CEO Jonathan Jackson um, launched a uh, crowdfunder uh, and and it, it wasn't. It wasn't to pay expenses at the time. It was basically there for a supporter solution or possibly to do something uh, when the owners took over. Uh, and honestly, it was unbelievable, the, the, re- the response. We were getting up to, um, was, it, was it about 650, 700 in total, something like that? I'm sure I could get the exact figure. Um, but what was really good about that was there was obviously people could donate as little as a couple of pounds up to former players, you know, like Victor Moses, uh, you know, he put a huge um, contribution in. Uh, a really a really amusing one was uh, uh, Jermaine Defoe, actually, not a former player of ours, but once scored five goals against us and someone jokingly te- uh, tweeted him and he donated basically a thousand pounds for each goal he scored against us in that nine, one defeat. So it was that, but all the, the, the supporters themselves, you know, the Wigan athletic fans were in a pandemic money's tight and people were finding money, you know, to the point where some people, some, let's say the older generation of fans don't have maybe the, the sort of on, mm-hmm. online technology to do those transfers, but they were writing checks out, um, and, and the supporters club were going around, obviously socially distancing, collecting collecting checks and things like that. So it was a great rally round. Uh, as I said to you earlier, um, the, the podcast team, together with the local MP, the supporters club, uh, we also had someone for the Fan uh, Football Supporters Association, uh, Ashley, who was, who's been really good to us all the way through. Uh, we put together a... a, a podcast basically a live podcast q a with the fans and everyone got to sort of do the do the little bit and you know that that was really good it was live on youtube i think last time i looked i think it had something like five thousand views which was huge really um not maybe not the days of the uh before the fa cup final in terms of listener <laughs> figures but but certainly it, it showed that we could be a part of it, you know, and, and it was important for us to, you know, to be a part of it really and put on different little bits and pieces. But yeah, the, the money raised, I mean, great credit to everyone. And, and obviously all those, all those former players that, you know, donated and, you know, people with connections to the club. It was just, it was fantastic really. And it just shows that kind of once you've been a Wigan player, it's it's kind of there in your heart, really, you know. It's uh, and some of the young lads, you know, that you're talking about, lads who uh, some of our own young lads were making donations. You know, they don't have huge amounts of money, but you know, they they recognise the importance. Um, and the academy lads have been so important to us, really, over the last twelve months. Without our fantastic academy, we wouldn't be in this division now. Arguably, we wouldn't be existence. Because one thing that we forgot to say earlier was. Um, we needed we needed money to get through the season to pay off, to pay wages and that was achieved by selling three of our exceptional exceptionally talented youngsters we were we were allowed to sell them to Premier League clubs uh, outside of the window 
and that basically it was way undervalued, but that money did did get us through the rest of that season and, and, met, and meant that we, ne- as far as I'm aware, we didn't miss wages to players at all through the period. And that's all credit to the yeah. academy. Well done. Just a shame that all the other players got sold off, just way undervalued yeah. because yeah. it was a fantastic team. Best side in the championship from February to mm-hmm. uh, the end of the season. So it was so sad to see all those players leave way under market value because there was millions and millions of pounds in assets there. So anyway, that's that's gone. We've got to move forward. <laughs> got to ask you, uh, you mentioned Springfield Park. Do you miss it? Uh, miss it from a nostalgic point of view, but from a comfort point of view, not at all. <laughs> you, so you... You, you're a, would you say you're a support group that likes the more modern stadiums then than the the old historic? Well, I, I don't. I, I do like historic stadiums, but um, when you think about Springfield Park, one thing that when I think about it, I always recall going for a wee, going to the toilet. Now we used to go at the side of the stand, and on the floor was an old drain pipe. And that's what it was. And there'd be 30 or 40 blokes stood there having a pee. But to access it, you had to roll your pants up because the wa- the floor was swimming in <laughs> urine. So, And it absolutely stunk. Now, was, was, you know, was the, the love in that? It doesn't, it's not there, is it? It's not there. Um but the smell as well, the smell, the, the stadium smelt of pies. Mm-hmm. We're, we're going to f- very famous for pies. We, we have a pie shop on every corner. Um, and I remember the girls coming round about 10 minutes before our town with trays of pies going to the little kiosk they used to have at the back of the stands where they, they sold the pies from. And you used to get the waff of the pie coming through and it was, it was a wonderful aroma. It was fantastic, yeah. But it was a very open ground. So in winter it was cold, it was windy. Um, the, the pitch itself was was all right. It was good. In fact, I used to think it was brilliant. But when you see photographs of it, it looks like a ploughed field. So there again, you know, you got this old the old nostalgia. It wasn't what we thought it were. It wasn't what we thought. I mean, a million and one stories about it. A million and one. Uh, a quick one. Can I ask you though, quickly, and Adam? These days, where's the best place to get a pie around uh, the new the new ground? What's the new ground called these days? Has it got a sponsorship or anything like that? Well, I think it's going to be at the moment. It's the DW Stadium, but I think that's going to change because mm. obviously Dave Whelan's gone, DW Sports all gone, so they're looking for naming rights. So it'll be called something else. It's on an area known as Robin Park, so it's at Robin Park, uh, where it is. It used to be an old rubbish tip. So you could call it the dump if you wanted. <laughs> uh, and there's actually pie shops near pie shops at the dump. Galloways, hunt out of Galloways. There's tons of them in Wigan. There are local bakers, meat and potato pie, and a buttered berm. Fantastic. Yeah. Cost you we're about two minutes, quid. We're only ten minutes from the station as well, so it's walkable. And the Galloways is right next to the station for those who are coming in on the train. There's uh, also a. Re- a couple, two or three really good pubs as well. Uh, so if you like an ale, you've got Wigan, Wigan Central, the, the Anvil. Sure, Barry knows some other ones, but you know me, I'm teetotal, I'm a non-drinker, I don't know the pubs. Uh, fair enough, fair <laughs> enough, fair enough. I mean, these things are important for football fans. You've got to know where to get a pie. 
and where to get a point on the way to the game. You know, one important point to me, I've got a good friend of mine who's been a few times watching Leeds at Wigan, and he said in terms of the comfort that they have, it's one of the best away experiences. They get all the thing behind the goal. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it's you know they've got a, it's there's a bar for them as well, isn't there, in the stand that they can drink in. Um, you know, obviously under the, underneath in the concourse is a nice area for them. There's no restricted views. You know, you go to somewhere like Goodison Park, the Premier League ground, it's horrendous. You can't see a thing. Oh, it yeah. is. It is a hor- horrible place. Absolutely horrible place. <laughs> has, has to be said. Uh, we've we've got some mutual friends who are Everton fans, so we'll, we'll make sure they, they, they listen to that bit in particular. <laughs> now, guys, some, something that's a per- per- sort of personally important for me, as I've done a lot of these types of episodes over the last year I've become more aware of how clubs have sort of helped the communities in particular their local communities in particular during sort of the Covid era and uh, I'm, now I'm curious obviously Wigan's had a difficult 12 months but with the sort of new consortium coming in and the new chairman and that is is there a sort of community trust there that's involved in reaching out to the local community? And has the club been able to get any programmes off the ground that have, have been able to support, you know, sort of local people in need during the during the pandemic? Or is it a case of with sort of the difficulties behind the scene, they've really been fighting to keep the club on alive as took all up, took up all the effort? Well, the, the community trust at Wigan Athletic is, uh, is is separate, funded from the club. So it's mm. funded by Sport England, the Premier League, um, some Sky Sky Sports as well, and they have some other funding avenues. So they've carried on as normal. Mm-hmm. And uh, just to give you a, a sort of an idea of where we are, of the last five seasons, we've won four. Northwest Club Community Trust of the Year awards. So they've been the top one in the Northwest, which includes Man City, Man United, mm-hmm. Liverpool, Everton, Blackburn, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So they're absolutely fantastic. So during the okay. pandemic, uh, one of the initiatives they had was uh, going around to vulnerable people, people who were isolated, socially isolated on their own, going around every day, checking on them, uh, checking uh, hampers round. Just having a, a telephone call with them, checking up on them, making sure they were okay. Um, so th- they employed a lot of people doing that. They also worked heavily with the local food bank in town, which is the Brick, who also worked with the council as well. So there was like a a, a triangle of, of support there, support network, and they worked with all you know with the homeless people, people who were really struggling, people who'd been furloughed, off work. Um, just fantastic uh, initiatives at the moment. We've just kicked off again. I, I sort of quite involved with the community trust through one thing and another. One of the things I do, play walking football. Hey, really? Fun. Yeah, it's for oh, all the superb. superb. Yeah. Yeah, you're the, you're the first first club in England with a walking football team that I've I I know of. Oh, there's loads. Oh. I have to tell you them all. Uh, but the commitment to our to to the walking football. Is unbelievable. They are brilliant. The, the, the supporters, are, you know, at every level. Um, every Wednesday we play at the academy, uh, which is the old soccer dome. They've taken it over. It's the academy now. We're gonna have the academy. We play there every Wednesday. They're brilliant. They referee games for us. 
Um, unfortunately, on uh, Saturday, we played in the first round of the National Cup and we at Bolton and we lost 2-1. Absolute ridiculous referee in performance. <laughs> I must say, I'm, this is really unbiased. It was awful. He gave Bolton Webbing, a penalty. Webbing tonight. Well, I wasn't managing. I tell you what, and I, I had some bones to pick with the manager as well. My goodness. Anyway, that's another story. But the community trust, yeah. So they do us, the older people. So we're like 50 and over. So we, we fellas at eight, 82 playing with us, as well as, as as lads at 50. See what I did then? Fellas at 82, lads at 50. <laughs> but they also have a programme called The Kicks, which goes around some of the local, uh, less affluent parts of town or parts of the borough. And, and the young kids there, they take them on board as well, and they put stuff on for them. So they get them involved in in sports, and they and they talk to them about lifestyle choices, uh, educational choices. Uh, very supportive, absolutely fantastic. I, I can't speak highly enough of Wigan Athletic Community Trust. They are tops. The the the, the town is extremely proud of what they do. You know, they're a massive part of it. They're a part of that. Uh, the club is a heartbeat of our town and they are the heartbeat of the club. I think that's a way of looking at it. Yeah. That's one Sorry, I said Barry's pretty much covered everything there and I echo what you said, but I think it's under the, under the new ownership as well. It, it, it seems a, a lot more joined up. So Mal Brannigan, who Barry alluded to before, uh, before and also... The chairman of the supporters club as well. They will they will now be part of the board of, uh, of the trust. So that that even links it further, you know, to, to the club. And there's some initiatives as well taking place with some funding that's been left over from the uh, initial crowdfunding that was returned to the club uh, that can be utilised for certain projects as well. Which I think that's fantastic, really, in in the community in very difficult times and. You know, it's like physical and uh, mental well-being um, being looked after there. So I think that's, um, as Barry said, it's absolutely fantastic, the work that they do. And uh, I saw Barry's footballing ability the other day and, uh, yeah, it reminds me of uh, a little bit like Maradona. Not, not necessarily with his, uh, his off-the-pitch off lifestyle, uh, but what he's on the <laughs> Oh, brilliant, brilliant, brilliant. I mean, for me, the work of the community trust is, I mean, it, it's it's such an impressive thing that so many clubs are getting right across the UK and it's so underreported, which I think is a huge shame. Now, one last thing I'd like to touch on today, guys, before before we go. I mean, match day experience uh, uh, at the DW, what is it like? You know, obviously pre-COVID is what we'll need to talk about, but how much of a racket do you guys make and which are the clubs that you really get up for? Well, yeah, the clubs we get up for. I mean, if it's going to be going to be a bit of a ding dong this season with Bolton Wanderers, the grounds are only six miles apart, uh, and there's people in Wigan who, for some unknown reason, support Bolton. Not many, and there are people who live in Bolton who support the Latics. So. Yeah, but that's definitely one. Uh, it, that's going to be a bit of a ding dong. And at the side of the ground, you know, we have a canal. <laughs> so, so that's like, I mean, down the years, there's been one or two people in that canal that I could think of. You know, <laughs> I'm not talking about hooliganism either. I'm talking about people being abbreviated and getting carried away with themselves and just jumping in. You know, after a good victory. Uh, yeah, uh, 
fantastic atmosphere at times at the club. Uh, one of the best atmospheres that I've ever experienced was um, it centred around the Will Griggs on Fire song, which mm-hmm. is world famous. I mean, for such a small club to have such a world famous song, I mean, probably the most famous football song in the world. Uh, you started singing that anywhere and people join in with you. They do. It was they, when they, we played Manchester City in the FA Cup. Uh, as a League One side, and they and Will Grigg scored the goal, and we won one night, uh, one one nil, not them at the cup, and stopped them doing the quadruple, and it just sprung up. And what a fantastic atmosphere! <laughs> I, it, I'm still getting goosebumps now. I think the ears are standing up on me. I was just yeah. thinking about that that, that moment of Grigg leaving both John Stones and Carl Walker for dead, who are England's rocks at the back at the moment. Yeah, and planting a ball in the bottom corner from outside the box, and it just went up. It went even at the, the end of that evening, the full-time whistle, that our cheeky stadium announcer as well decided to play Wonderwall, which I thought was quite, <laughs> quite, quite, quite amusing as well. But, uh, yeah, it's, uh, I mean, atmospheres, atmospheres are obviously driven at times by how the team is playing. Mm-hmm. I'll tell you what, when, you know, when... Another game that that certainly resonates with me is uh, Wigan Wigan three West Ham two because that we were two 0 down uh, at half time, basically getting relegated. They were just about getting a reprieve, staying up. The second half, we just went out and just thought, let's stop defending, let's just keep attacking, and it got to two all. And I've never heard noise like it because it was literally like a, a school match, end to end, both sides. They missed a couple of open nets. We get the post. Uh, and and last kick of the game, Charles and Zogbia basically shoots right under the England former England goalkeeper Robert Green, and it was unbelievable the noise that day. The because I think it was a it was a high number crowd anyway. But when it gets going in there, it, 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 there's a lot of noise. And I, and I think going back to football, uh, and and for us as well, going back to football from a position where we might not have even had a football club. I, I think that, that that first game back, I think I think it's Rotherham, is it, Barry? First, yeah, Rotherham. Rotherham, yeah. Rotherham's our first game back. They'll probably bring a few because it's not too far away, and mm-hmm. it's going to be a fantastic atmosphere. And really looking, really looking forward to getting back into the stadium. And one thing I would like to say is where Barry and I sit in the East Stand, it's a a little bit louder than uh, the, the West Stand because we have occasions in the West Stand when we um, when we go for a corporate. Uh, we, we we do the odd corporate for birthdays and things, mm-hmm. and yeah, people look at you uh, when when you suddenly start shouting <laughs> out loud. But maybe it's just me when uh, when I nearly took Michael Jacobs out with a headlock, and when I thought we'd scored a last minute winner against. <laughs> but uh, yeah. It's, but- East stands the place to sit if you're coming for a, for a match, you'd say. Yeah, unless you're an away fan, of course. You can make sure you go to the North Stand. <laughs> fair dues, fair dues, guys. I mean, thanks so much for today. I've, I've really enjoyed it. It's been great to get a bit of insight into the club. Uh, for people listening at home, if they want to follow a bit more about Wigan, is there anywhere where the best place is on social media land for them to get the, the stories? Also... Uh, where's where's the best place and how often do you put your podcasts out? Uh, podcast every Wednesday and uh, Sunday as well if we've got a game on the Tuesday. So we've, we've been a bit quiet during the close season. We'll be kicking up in a, in a couple of weeks. Uh, they can follow our, our Twitter, which is the PW Podcast. Uh, and uh, also 
my Twitter account, Athletic Speak, and uh, Wigan Athletic's official Twitter account's a good place as well for breaking stories about the club. Uh, any, any others, Adam? Any, anything I've forgotten? Uh, no, I, w- I won't say my Twitter, because although I do put some Wigan stuff, it is, uh, it's a lawyer account, so uh, I, I'm not convinced that all your listeners would want that one. So. <laughs> nah. <laughs> nah, nah. Well, yeah, guys, thanks so much for today. Really enjoyed it. So, yeah, I appreciate yeah, it. Appreciate the time. Wish you the best of luck for the season. League One's looking like a cracking league next year. It really is. Absolutely, yeah. It's going to be it's going to be big. But let's hope we... Well, anything's a bonus now. So, we're just all going to enjoy it, aren't we, Barry? We are certainly going to enjoy the ride this time. Definitely. And enjoy the walking football as well. Uh, yes. But that's it for today, everyone. Of course, I'm Adam at Oakfoot24. You can follow me across all the social medias. But till next time, take care and stay safe. Goodbye for now. <laughs>